Welcome to The Daily Dose, where we are currently walking through an overview of the entire Bible. When a person understands the truth of how God has worked through history, their whole view on life is enriched with meaning, purpose, inspiration, and power. Let's listen to Matt Reister, director of the Christian Crusaders in the Cedar Falls Bible Conference. Today we pick up the Bible overview with the cursing of the serpent, which takes place in Genesis 3, 14, and 15, right after the serpent convinced Eve and Adam to eat the forbidden fruit and break God's command. And here's what the Bible says. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now at the very end of this text is a very, very important uh, revelation. It's called the Proto-Evangelion. It's the first announcement of the gospel. I'm going to get to that in a second. Before that, there's a lot of interesting stuff to consider that we don't necessarily have enough information to draw firm conclusions on, but it's just interesting. I thought I'd mention a couple of these things. One of them is the question, did the serpent have legs or did the, did the serpent get around in some other way besides slithering like we know snakes to do today? Did, did the serpent have some other way of getting around prior to this curse? The fact that God says uh, as part of the curse, on your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the rest of your life makes you think that prior to that, maybe the serpent wasn't going around on his belly. And, and so maybe the serpent had legs. Some people have wondered if the serpent was a flying reptile. That seems outlandish to me. Uh, but I'm going to link an article from a great ministry called Answers in Genesis in the show notes, where they have a, a discussion about this. They actually also did kind of a survey of commentators and theologians over the years of where they line up on this, did the serpent have legs prior to this curse? And actually, the majority of commentators and theologians that they list say, yes, they believe that the serpent did have legs. A few of them say no, and maybe that's going to be an interesting article for you to read that's neither really here nor there, but still interesting. Another thing that's interesting to consider, at the beginning of verse 15, where it says that God's going to put enmity between the woman's offspring and the serpent, um, some people have treated this as a kind of like Rudyard Kip, Kipling's How the Leper Got Its Spots, like some kind of a fictional story that was made up based on the observation of the natural world. So, for instance, snakes slither on the ground, and maybe the snake had legs one day, and and so this, this fictional story that, that these ancient Bible writers came up with to explain this was this scene in the garden where God is cursing the snake, taking away his legs. Or people observe that people generally don't like snakes. And so why is there this distaste between humans and snakes? And so we're going to take that natural observation from the world and we're going to come up with this fictional explanation for it. And so the ancient Bible writers just kind of wrote some cute little story like Rudyard Kipling's How the Leper Got Its Spots to explain why things are the way they are. Obviously, we can't take that approach. This is not fiction. This is scripture. And uh, let me just interject here uh, a pretty strong conviction that I have that we ought to be taking the entire Bible very seriously. That We ought to be taking even these portions of Genesis 
that are hard to imagine, uh, that we can't wrap our heads around, that we've never seen firsthand things like what is being described here, the creation of the world, the fall of man, God cursing a serpent, et cetera, et cetera. It's in the scriptures. And my question for people who want to cut this up and, and, and say that it's not real is where are you going to stop doing that? If Genesis 1 through 11 are impossible for you to believe, then how can you actually believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again and that through faith in him you can have peace with God? I think we take all of Scripture seriously or we end up taking none of it seriously. And that leads into the end of verse 15 here where this proto-evangelion, the very first announcement of the gospel takes place. It says God, God says to the serpent, uh, he shall bruise your head, that is the offspring of the woman, and you shall bruise his heel. And what's happening here, and we'll see this unfold even further in Genesis, is the serpent, yes, the serpent does bruise the heel of the offspring of the woman. It's not a lethal thing, but but we are bruised, we are stained with sin, and that and that carries is carried with us from generation to generation to generation. But in the end, the offspring of the woman, he, singular, he, Jesus Christ, comes through the line of Adam and Eve and then through the line of Abraham and David and down through the generations. And pretty soon Jesus Christ shows up on the stage and through his death and resurrection overcomes sin and death and the power of the devil the serpent's head, Satan's head is bruised. Actually, it's crushed. That's the way that Mel Gibson depicted it at the very beginning of The Passion of the Christ. And we can praise God for that. That even back here in Genesis 3, way, way, way back, the gospel is being proclaimed. The groundwork for God's redemptive plan for the world is being laid out. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Help us to believe it. Help us to take it seriously. Help us to build our lives around it. More than any aspect of it, help us to see ourselves as ambassadors for Christ who would use the time and the resources that we have on this planet during these years to promote a message of reconciliation for men and women who are stained with sin by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. The Daily Dose is a partnership between three ministries. The first partnering ministry is Christian Crusaders, where you can find weekly 30-minute worship services on various radio stations at christiancrusaders.org, and where you can hear other engaging interviews with Christians who have inspiring stories or insights to share right here on the CC Podcast. The second partnering ministry is Fresh Wind Worship, where typically they host a weekly worship service at 10.30 a.m. in the Diamond Event Center in Jorgensen Plaza at Western Home Communities. But for now, their services will be available on their YouTube channel, Fresh Wind Ministries, and linked to their Facebook page, Fresh Wind Worship. The third partnering ministry is the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, whose 2019 conference messages are available in video format on their website, cedarfallsbibleconference.com. And don't forget to mark your calendar for this year's conference, the 99th Annual, Saturday, July 25th through Saturday, August 1st. If this podcast is a blessing to you, please subscribe to it, leave a five-star review, and prayerfully consider financially supporting 
one of the ministries mentioned above. Thank you for listening, and may God richly bless you.